can have a seat as we sip this tea of reality. My name is Autumn. And I'm Haley. And this is Don't You Know... Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. One round two. two. Yes, round two. Technical <laughs> difficulties. Go to That's... edit and she uh, notices can't... we have no audio. I can't hear Ooh. nothing. Hopefully this time goes better. It's already off to a weird start with the recording, but we'll see how it goes. It'll be good. It'll be good. We got it. I want to take you back to May 23rd, 1933, the Louisiana State Highway 154. Officers Frank Hamer, Ted Hinton, Bob Alcorn, phone closed, BM Galt, Henderson Jordan, and Prentice Oakley. No, re- no, no relation to Annie Oakley. I checked. Damn. We're setting up a ruse to apprehend or expire America's most notorious highway gangsters, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow, leaders of the now infamous Barrow Gang. Two what days a cool name. The Barrow Gang? But it could have been cooler, but like it's a cool name. They were not cool people, in my opinion. They were sad, lonely people. Yeah. Broken by society, I could say. It was I, you know what? The nineteen thirties were a tough fucking time. So you're not going to pass too much judgment. The 230s are also a rough time. (laughs) It's always a rough time. I think that's the takeaway here. It's always a rough (laughs) fucking time. So back in this tough time, two days prior to May 23rd, Officer Hamer, two days prior, Officer Hamer, who was brought out of retirement to catch Bonnie and Clyde, which he did so with good old-fashioned detective work. He mapped out the gang's crimes and sightings to discover that they were exploited, exploiting the laws of jurisdiction, committing armed robberies in one state, and then taking to obscure back roads to sneak into neighboring states. This was their great escape and their untimely, but due demise. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, two days prior, Frank Hamer, Hamer would notice one of the gang members, Henry, Henry Methvin, had family in the area of Biensville, Louisiana. Knowing that the gang stops were usually centered on family visits, he would target the Methvins for surveillance. A good call on his part because little did he know, Clyde had designated the Methvin house as a rendezvous point. An ambush was set up along Louisiana State Highway 154 by Hamer's posse, and at 9-something in the morning, the voraciously sought-after Bonnie and Clyde would drive their stolen Ford V8 to their deaths. According to the official report, Someone on Hamer's team did call out for them to surrender, but Bonnie and Clyde fired their first shots. There are some who speculate that Hamer's only intentions were to drag in their corpses and that the posse shot first. Honestly, I would not blame the cops for shooting first. As we'll learn through we go, that the Barrow Gang was not known for their patience and grace, but for their trippy trigger fingers. Bullets were flying, 130 of them being from Hamer's posse. Make no mistake. Bonnie and Clyde were armed to the teeth as well and never had second thoughts when firing on the law. The firefight went on for several minutes before the killer crew ceased shooting. The officers would slowly approach the car to to discover that they had indeed killed the leaders of the Barrow Gang. When the coroner completed the autopsies on Bonnie, he would count 26 gunshot wounds. Clyde had 17, many of these being potentially fatal, especially the ones to their heads and to Bonnie's nearly severed spine. Hamer, of course, investigated the vehicle to find it well-stocked with firearms and stolen license plates. This car was kept by, the Hen- by Henderson Jordan until he was sued and made to give it back to the original owner, 
who later couldn't stomach being in possession of such a dark object. She would sell or donate it to a museum for a display piece. It is now on display at Whiskey Pete's in Prim, Nevada. So she sued him to get the car back. And then was like, ooh. I don't want the car. Careful what you wish for is the takeaway for that. I mean, I would have been happy with, you can keep the car, but you need to pay me for it. You can't just steal it. Right, I could have got behind that. Like, you can't just keep it. Like, I know it's evidence, but after. But I want my money for my car. Yeah. But, okay. It is It is what it is. It'd be a cool little trip, you know, like a little cross-country trip, go see the car. It would be fun to go see the car, but it has a dark past for sure. Oh, absolutely. So what led to this deadly day? Who are Bonnie and Clyde and the rest of the Barrow Gang? Let's take a peek into the past, shall we? Bonnie Parker was born on October 1st, 1910 growing up in West Dallas with her two siblings and widowed mother. It was hard living back then, but there are no stories of Bonnie having been morbidly abused. It was, qui- it was a quiet life in the struggle. Bonnie would make it to her second year in high school before falling in love and getting married with Roy Thornton. When Bonnie was just 16 and he was 20, their marriage would be short-lived, passions doused by his frequent absences, marred by his penchant for petty crimes. In three short years... Though they would never officially divorce, they would null their nuptials, never crossing paths after January 1929. It's so crazy how just in a hundred years we've evolved to not marrying 16 and 20 year olds anymore. It still happens more prevalently prevalently than you you would think. Well, I'm sure. Like, it's just not a common practice. Like Most of the kids no. I went to high school were not married and did not drop out. I think there might have been like a handful of kids that did. That is true. And definitely in our area, there's not a lot of marrying off of teenagers. Correct. But there's a lot of impregnating teenagers. True. (laughs) Not me. No, but. Or you, which. I mean, high five, like, woo! He did a high five. You couldn't see it there. (laughs) I definitely could have gone down a way different path. Oh, yeah. But happy to be who I am nowadays. I do know there was people with children in high school, which. They seem to be great moms now, so. Hey, doing what you gotta do. Bonnie was still wearing her wedding ring on the day that she died. I guess you never forget your first love. That's so crazy. Or maybe she liked it because it was shiny. Who knows? I like shiny shit too, though. We all like shiny shits. Dude, I love, I have so many rocks. So many crystals. You do. (laughs) I want so many more, but I don't have room. Oh, just wait. Just wait. After leaving Roy, she would move back in with her mother and become a waitress for a short time. One of her regular customers being a certain Ted Hinton. He would later write in his autobiography that he did have affections for Bonnie, making the ambush uncomfortably personal for him. Bonnie was a poet and a novice photographer. Some of her work being left behind would become famous, such as her poem, The Story of Suicide Sal, and photos of the gang in various menacing poses. Clyde Barrow was born in 1909 in Ellis County, Texas, to a poor farming family. He was the fifth of seven children. Not much is written about his early life other than he and his family had moved to West Dallas and they had to live under a wagon for a few weeks until they could secure housing. It wasn't until 1926, when Clyde was 17, that he was first arrested for not returning a rental car on time. Then he and his brother would be arrested for turkey theft. Clyde would hold a few, Clyde would hold few legitimate jobs, but he was on the fast track to a career criminal. So is turkey theft exactly what it sounds like? Stealing yeah, they turkeys? were stealing turkeys. 
Okay. I just wanted to clarify. Absolutely. They were they were foul criminals. <laughs> trying trying his hand at safe cracking, robbing stores and grand theft auto. In January of 1930, he would meet Bonnie by means of a mutual friend. They enjoyed a passionate few months before Clyde was convicted of auto theft and sent to Easton Prison. This is said to be the turning point for Barrow. He would be repeatedly raped, going on to crush his attacker's skull with a pipe. Which, like, I'm not going to officially condone. Yep, I mean, but I, can, I can see what led to it. Not saying he was right. I can just see. I'm just saying I understand. I understand. I get it. This would be the first of Clyde's many murders, but he would luckily avoid responsibility because another inmate, who was already serving a life sentence, claimed responsibility. What a G, G, <laughs> G, talking about, this is my bestie. He, what a G, he was like, I got you, I got I'm you. saying, I get it. If I was serving a life sentence and you killed your rapist, I'd be like, that was me. They'd be like, <laughs> I did we it. Have video surveillance. We have video surveillance of her, no. That's me. I dressed up like her. That's me. That's a good fucking disguise, isn't it? Y'all should let me go simply based because I could do more better in <laughs> Hollywood makeup. That's <laughs> do me. Do more better. <laughs> I can do better. Just give me a chance. That's all I'm asking for, bro. A, Just chance. a chance. Just a token, really a trifle. Clyde would successfully escape prison for a few months before being apprehended and returned. Not wanting to work in the labor fields, he would cut off a couple of his toes. But unbeknownst to him, his mother had petitioned for his release. So a week after cutting off his toes, he would walk with a limp as a free man. What? Fucking Jesus. <laughs> like, He's like, I don't want to fucking do this, bitch. I don't want I to. I am not breaking rocks and hoeing for you, okay? We I'm, are. The, we I don't need this pinky toe. Fuck you. Fuck I you. Don't need this, I don't need this pinky toe. I bet he looked at her and was like, dunk, and chopped it off. <laughs> he was like, shling. He was paroled in February 1932 and was now a calloused and bitter criminal, likely suffering from, from PTSD from the sexual assault he experienced. And this, I can imagine why. I mean, duh. Right? Of all the things, like, cut my arms off, but don't rape me. That, that's such a violation. That, that's, that's... Anyway. So this gave him a better view of the law, who turned a blind eye to the blight that was the early American prison life. Clyde would continue his career robbery with grocery stores and gas stations with his often accomplice, Ralph Fultz. Vengeance corroded Clyde's heart. His goal wasn't to become rich or famous, but to launch a raid against, against Easton Prison. Bonnie would find herself tagging along to one of these robberies at a hardware store. They failed, and they were all arrested. Bonnie only served a few months in the county jail, but the jury failed to indict her. Fultz served a... Uh, Fultz served... A sentence. He served his full sentence and never returned to the gang. So Leave. when did... So how long had they been together at that time? So they met in 1929. Hold on, let me go scroll back down here. In 1930. No. Okay. So they've known each other for about two and a half, three years at this point. And she's already rocking and rolling with him? Ride or die from the beginning. If you read, If you read Bonnie... She was very cynical and bored with life, but also had a passion for the adrenaline rush, hmm. breaking the stereotype of what womanhood should be. Okay. She didn't want to conform. No. 
understand. Fuck the patriarchy. After their release from prison, Bonnie and Clyde would reunite. One summer night in August, Clyde is drinking with some of his friends at a country dance when they are approached by Sheriff C.G. Maxwell and Deputy Eugene Moore. Farrow and his friend Raymond Hamilton would open fire on the officers, killing Moore and severely wounding Maxwell. We're getting into their their crime sprees. Their, Clyde was very paranoid, especially mm-hmm. when it, like he had a, a, a strong distrust for the law um, from his experience in prison. The guards knowing that he was being abused and assaulted and just turning a blind eye. Yes. I could see that. I can can understand where that comes from. And because they were known for robbing grocery stores and gas stations and holding people hostage, any time that the law approached, they were trigger happy. Yeah. On October 9th, 1932, they allegedly killed the store owner, Howard Hall, during a robbery. Though it's disputed among some historians some historians. In the spring of 1933, Clyde's brother Buck was granted a full pardon and released from prison, so he and his wife Blanche would shack up with Bonnie and Clyde in a temporary hideout in Joplin, Missouri. They would hold loud, boozy card games late into the night, attracting the attention of local police. This was the time of prohibition, so the cops suspected that they may have been bootleggers. They were just drinking it. Like, you're getting drunk, but how? Manufacture and distribution of alcohol is illegal, but drunk being drunk isn't. Right. So how are you? Gaining? But being drunk is probable cause to be investigated for. Where? How did you get drunk? Unless yeah. you were a politician, and then it was just. Then it didn't matter. Then it didn't matter. The Joplin Police Department assembled a five-man force descending on the Barrow Gang. What would become their signature Barrow? What would become their signature? The Barrow Gang opened fire on the police, killing Detective Henry McGinnis and fatally wounding Constable J. W. Harriman. Bonnie opened fire with a Browning automatic rifle, which was Clyde's weapon of choice, and the other officers would duck behind a tree, giving them just enough time, giving just enough time for the gang to escape. This hairy departure meant that they would leave behind most of their possessions. One, one interesting find being a roll of undeveloped film that showcased Bonnie's brazen demeanor. These would help sensationalize their story in the papers later on. How a daring woman firing a gun and holding a cigar in her lips rode with men as an outlaw. How scandalous. She was scandalous. The gang would go on to travel north for a bit, going as far as Minnesota. In May of 1933, they would try to rob a bank in Lucerne, Indiana, and would successfully rob a bank in Okabina, Minnesota. But they targeted banks, They oh, because they targeted banks and were known to show mercy on hostages, even giving them money to get home, They were kind of seen as Robin Hood types for a short time before the severity of their crimes became too much to justify the good old rebellion of banks and overbearing law enforcement. So now we have the whole gang together, which means we have Bonnie Parker, Clyde Barrow, Hamilton Jones, Buck Barrow, and Henry Methvin. They were known as as ruthless murderers, never hesitating to open fire on police officers and civilians alike. This would lead to the opening of the public eye just how cold-blooded these killers were. With their pictures in the papers and their crimes highly scrutinized, it was becoming increasingly difficult to avoid being seen. In early 1933, Frank Hamer would be brought out of retirement, where he would study the movements of the gang tracking them down like rabid animals. As anonymous motels and hideouts became scarce, the gang would be reduced to fireside camping and hard living. For all that they were doing, it was for nothing. 
Clyde was known for taking the back roads, and in one such incident, as he was unaware of construction signs on a bridge, he, Jones, and Bonnie would be in a terrible accident, rolling over yet another stolen car, causing Bonnie to have possible battery acid burns, or just regular fire burns, over most of her leg. And they sought no medical attention. That's intense. They just went on the lam with her severely burned. At this point, the law is closing in, and the gang has been in shootouts with Johnny Law many times. They are all wounded. Avoiding capture means avoiding hospitals. Criminals out here trying to heal themselves with determination and malice. For a month, Bonnie was carted from makeshift bed to makeshift bed, suffering from the burns on her leg. Buck had a traumatic head injury where his brain was actually exposed. This happens a little bit later, but... Intense. Now, here we come to the bungled burglary and the murdered town hall marshal, Henry Humphrey, in Alabama, Arkansas. Or in, I'm sorry, in Alma, Arkansas. By July, the gang had checked into a motel in Platte City, Missouri, paying for the cabins with coins, only listing three guests when there were clearly five. Taping newspapers over the window also wasn't a good look and just furthered the owner's suspicions. The owner would voice these concerns to the sheriff, who put the cabin under surveillance and put a bolo out for any strangers buying supplies like bandages and medicines. Though the gang once again evaded capture, they could dodge every bullet. They couldn't dodge every bullet. This is where Buck Barrow would sustain his traumatic brain injury. Being shot in the head, his brains were exposed. They would wind up in Dexter, Iowa at an abandoned amusement park where Clyde and Jones dug a grave for him. He would eat and talk, but they weren't holding their breath for a full recovery. Okay, so they were preparing. They, they were like, this is, this is his last adventure. They were spotted by residents of the nearby town, calling out their blood-stained attire and general haunted aura. Aura. Police soon surrounded the gang and another firefight ensued. Buck would be shot in the back while Bonnie Jones and Clyde would escape. Blanche Barrow would be arrested and convicted of her crimes associated with the Barrow gang. Buck would later contract pneumonia in the hospital and after five days of surgery would succumb to his injuries. The rest of the gang stayed on the move, never lingering in one spot for long. They restocked their arsenal of firearms and ammunition and took a risk to visit to visit family in September. Jones would go to Houston, partying with the gang. He would be later be arrested without incident in November and return to Dallas. Bonnie and Clyde were also would also part ways for a bit. She stayed with her family to heal from her considerable wounds, and Clyde would go on to commit petty crimes with local accomplices. Had to keep the uh, penny bag full. In November, they narrowly escaped arrest this time without so much fanfare and glitter, Barrow would sense the trap that Hinton had set up for him. A short burst of bullets would miss bystanders. However, one would make it through a car, wounding both Bonnie and Clyde. Though they escaped capture this time, an indictment for their murders would be issued on November 28th. Bonnie and Clyde wanted dead or alive. Dead or alive. (laughs) Don't see those much more anymore, huh? Not even on the FBI's Most Wanted. A few short weeks later, into January 1934, Clyde would orchestrate the escape of his criminal companions, Methvin and Hamilton Jones, and several others in an Easton prison breakout, once again embarrassing Lee Simmons, head of the Texas law enforcement. This would lead to his unbridled support for Hamer apprehending the gruesome gang, but Clyde achieved his heart's desire, vengeance against the Texas prison system. Simmons would later say that everyone involved in the breakout would be hunted down and killed, and this was not an empty threat. The only member of the Barrow Gang that lived to tell the tale was Henry Methvin, the turncoat of the Barrow Gang. He's the only one that lived? Yeah. No. 
Well, I'm not nice, but... It's because he tattled. What a snitch. Frank Hamer would enlist the help of Methvin to trick the gang into surrendering. As previously mentioned, through good detective work, Hamer predicted the gang would likely be near to visit family after being on the on the run, still high on their successful prison rake, break. On May 21st, Hamer and his posse set up Henry to see to seem as if he had entered trouble on his way to the rendezvous point. Now all they had to do was wait, and not for long. Two days later, on the bloody May 23rd in 1934, the weathered Bonnie and Clyde would amble along the road in their stolen Ford V8, coming upon their loyal friend and accomplice, Henry Methvin. The final firefight was extinguished with the last breaths of Bonnie and Clyde. They wished to be buried side by side, but their respective mothers would hear nothing of it. More than 20,000 people attended Bonnie Parker's funeral in her hometown. Clyde Barrow had a private funeral where he was laid rest to rest next to his brother beneath a single granite stone. 500,000 papers were sold just in Dallas for the sudden end of Bonnie and Clyde. <clears throat> Bonnie and Clyde kill killed 12 people including nine law enforcement officers during their two years of criminal activity from February 1932 to May 1934. Their victims are John Napoleon Butcher of Hillsborough, Texas. He was murdered on April 30th in 1932 in Hillsborough, Texas. Deputy Eugene Capel Moore of Atoka, Oklahoma, murdered on August 5th, 1932 in Strington, Oklahoma. Howard Hall of Sherman, Texas, murdered on October 11th, 1932 in Sherman, Texas. Doyle Alley Myers Johnson of Temple, Texas, murdered on December 26, 1932, in Temple, Texas. Deputy Malcolm Sibin Simmons Davis of, Sa of Dallas, Texas, murdered January 6, 1933, in Dallas, Texas. Detective Henry Leonard McGinnis of Joplin, Missouri, murdered April 13, 1933, in his hometown of Joplin, Missouri. Constable John Weasley Harriman of Joplin, Missouri, murdered, murdered April 13, 1933, in Joplin, Missouri. Town Marshal Henry Dallas Humphrey of Alma, Arkansas, murdered June 26, 1933, in Alma, Arkansas. Prison Guard Major Joseph Krausen of Huntsville, Texas, murdered in January 16, 1934, in Houston County, Texas. Patrolman Edward Bryan Wheeler of Grapevine, Texas, murdered April 1st, 1933, near Grapevine, Texas. Patrolman Halloway Daniel H.D. Murphy of Grapevine, Texas, murdered April 1st, 1934, also near Grapevine, Texas. Constable William Calvin Campbell of Commerce, Oklahoma, murdered April 6, 1934, near Commerce, Oklahoma. I wish I had more to say on the lives of these people that were ruthlessly murdered by the Barrow Gang, but being that it was 1933, we didn't have social media cataloging no. every moment of our lives. True. I'm sure that they were wonderful humans who had their own vices and virtues, and may they rest in peace. Honestly, that's a terrible way to go. Of course, Bonnie and Clyde have been romanticized throughout the times. Many movies, books, shows. That's so true. They're literally Showcasing everywhere. their ride-or-die attitude and how in love they were and... It's all a bunch of bullshit. They were, unfortunately, cold, ruthless murderers. Despite what their motives were. Yeah, they they opened. They ended lives anybody. without remorse. That's crazy. It is. 
don't have much more to add. I don't know. The the early Americas were fucking like the Wild West when you uh, literally that's it sounded, was the Wild West. That like, sounds like what even, they were. They were the true meaning of Wild West. They the were gangs, crazy. Yeah. The I mean they, uh, that's just one gang that was happening during that time. Yeah. We also have like mafias <laughs> going on. And that's, like, your mainstream mafias, your Al Capones and all of that. And then your politician mafias happening behind the fucking scenes. Still to this day. Boardwalk, let me tell you. I, oh, yeah, of course, still this day, to this day. Even more so, I bet. <laughs> They've not changed much. <clears throat> Are we ready for the sip of stupidity? Lay it on me. According to WFLA... Best of Florida Man 2022. Weird, wacky, and unbelievable stories from that year. Number one. Florida Man found with drugs after getting trapped in a porter potty. A Florida Man found stuck inside a porter potty was arrested on drug charges after Collier or Collier County deputies found him screaming for help. James... Goose, Ghost, James Gross, I don't know, 34 was found by deputies with a foot sticking out of the bottom of the porter potty. The station reported when the deputies opened the door, he was found with a powdery substance in a bag that later tested positive for fentanyl along with syringes. Don't fuck with fentanyl. Fentanyl. That is not a good one. Leave it alone. Number four. Florida man drives stolen truck to Space Force Base to warn the battle between aliens, dragons, aliens and dragons. I, uh, I heard that was happening <clears throat> recently. Yeah, just tomorrow, you know. We're going to go down there for the dragons and uh, team dragon. aliens. He's dragon, I'm aliens, you never know. A Florida okay, man... <laughs> A Florida man is accused of, of driving a stolen vehicle to the Space Force base in Bourbon County in what he calls a mission from the President of the United States, according to reports. Corey Johnson, 29, stole a truck from River Rivanna Beach and drove to Patrick's, Patrick Space Force near, near Kentucky Space Center. When Johnson tried to get onto the base, he claimed the president told him in his mind that he needed to take the, take the vehicle, warn the government officials that there were U.S. aliens fighting Chinese dragons. He could hear it through his fillings. <laughs> he was arrested and charged with grand theft auto of a motor vehicle. <laughs> Florida woman speeds through checkpoint, takes selfie during traffic stop. Legit. <laughs> a Florida woman was arrested after speeding through checkpoint, after speeding through a checkpoint in October in Lee County, accused according to deputies. The deputy said Shelby Peters, 24, sped through the checkpoint and did not stop. According to authorities, Peter finally stopped, but while the deputies called for backup. He saw her take a selfie before driving off again when the deputy's vehicle before driving off again when deputies exited his vehicle. 
She wanted to make sure they got her good side. <laughs> she was like, but first, uh, let me take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> For fuck's sake. So that was our case on Bonnie and Clyde with some Florida man cases dribbled in there at the end. It definitely could have gone more in depth, but I encourage you to read the books and resources like that actually led learning to this. about Bonnie and Clyde maybe I just don't want to you know plagiarize all the hard work that they did you yeah. know I'm just sitting here reading the book they you know and, and cross-referencing you know different articles different books and uh, the autobiography linked was a really interesting read you know to see it from different perspectives and yeah. you know, so that's just, that's just a little bit of sip on some true crime of Bonnie yeah. and Clyde. Not giving you the full pot, but we gave you a little sip. No. But we can definitely get into more discussions if you go visit us on Instagram at... Don't You Know Pod. Uh, Facebook at... Don't You Know Pod. Uh, send us an email for Don't You Know Pod at Outlook.com. <laughs> Mastodon at Don't You Know Look at Don't... It's all Don't You Know Pod. Everything yeah. is at Don't You Know Pod. Go visit our website at Don't You Know Pod. Dot com. Get us some more clicks and... Yeah, do that, because I put a lot of work into that, doing, you know, yeah. a quick synopsis and I uploading. tried to figure it out. No idea. I ended up fucking with it. I deleted it. I tried to get back. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I did. I got it back. But, no, you're good. It, ta- <laughs> it takes me a good minute. You know, I'm a couple hours in front of the computer yeah. doing these write-ups and then putting it all for the, you yeah. know, trying so to get a few pages. Like, yeah, go go visit that fucking website and tell me, is it cool? Is it boring? Is it, like, what the fuck ever? Yeah. Like, I put some shit it. into that. And we do this for free. This is just a hobby. Yeah. So, like, just... go enjoy the shit that we put out there, man. Just give it Just give it a look. You're already sitting on your phone. Yeah, but we're doing this. It's mobile friendly. For free on a Sunday morning afternoon. Actually, it's 12.08. Whatever. We're going to be spending most of the day recording up some shit so we can be... On time, Ahead actually. of the game. <laughs> and we can, like, troubleshoot some technical difficulties yeah. before the day we're supposed to post. Believe it or not... <laughs> We, that was our backup episode. <laughs> that was the backup episode. That was is, the backup life episode. Life is busy. It is. So, unfortunately, we didn't miss last week, but hopefully, with us recording all of this today, we will keep it on a nice cons- schedule for at least, like, two months. Um, don't leave us. Or you can, uh, but... We won't chase you. Uh, yeah, I don't really care. We have fun just recording it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just quality time with my sister. Talking about true crime and... Tip-tapping my fingers at some writing, because I like that shit, too. Exactly. Well, this has been another episode of Don't You Know Pod. My name's Autumn. And I'm Haley. And don't forget to lock your doors, you bitches. Bitches.